if I haven't met you before, my name is Pastor Doug. I have the privilege of serving as the senior pastor of what has become the Multiply family of churches. But Lake Norman, you will always have a special place in our hearts. You're the firstborn. Come on, give yourselves a hand, the firstborn. In fact, I think, think the last time I was here on a Sunday morning was when you all were back in the theater. Any theater people out there? Do we have a few? There are a few theater people out there, and God is doing so much. He's planting international churches through Lake Norman. Come on, isn't this amazing? So Pastor Zach and Pastor Manny and Toby are over there this morning, and we got a couple of pictures. This is the guys there with the leadership team of Multiply Livingston, and that is amazing. And then this is a picture. I just got this picture from Pastor Zach this morning. 126 people in service with 12 people saying yes to Jesus for the first time. Come on, let's celebrate that. Isn't that amazing? And that is what God is doing in and through you. This is my wife, Camden. We've been married for 20 years. We've got two teenage kids, 16, 14. They just got back from youth convention last night. So even with the extra hour of, last, uh, of sleep last night, they did not want to leave at 7.15 in the morning. And so they're at our home church in Concord. But it is, it's just such an honor. We, we love your pastors. We love Pastor Zach and Pastor Jenna so much and, and are so excited for what God has for this church. Here's what I feel like my assignment is for this morning. This is the word that I feel like God gave for me to you today. It's, a, it's entitled this, I'm in, the, I'm in the middle of something. I'm in the middle of something. Can you tell your neighbor I'm in the middle of something? You know, that's a... That's a phrase. Sometimes when we say that phrase, that's not said with a big smile on, on your face. Right, moms of toddlers? Yeah. Yeah. Come on, can I, can I get a name? Mom, 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 mom. You're, you're making dinner. You're folding laundry. You're doing, where's, where's Jessica? You're doing, you're doing all the things. And you say, <laughs> right, now, right now, I mean, you're saying it. You're smiling, but you're not smiling. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right now, right now, not right now, sweetheart. I'm in, I'm in the I'm in the middle of something. I know, guys. I know I know the phrase this afternoon when you're watching the game, and when somebody's trying to talk to you, and you're not even right. It's like not now. See, they they don't understand. They don't understand that the success of the team literally depends on your engagement as a fan in front of the 65-inch television. They don't. I know. I know people. I don't understand that. Be like, hey, right, right now. I'm not now. I'm in the. I'm in the middle of something. I wish that was an auto response on text messages. Some of those auto responses are like, "Can I call you later?" I don't necessarily want to call them later. I just want them to know I'm in the middle of something. And I might get back to you and I might not, but I'm in the, I'm in the middle of something. Um, our world is set up to, to celebrate endings and beginnings, right? We love to celebrate the start of something, the kickoff of a football game, the Star Spangled Banner, the jets are flying over. We love to celebrate the first pitch, opening day of a new baseball season. It doesn't matter how bad your team was the year before. You got a, you got a fresh start or the first day of school that is now overtaken Christmas for mama's posted pictures of all of their babies. It's like first day of school, wedding day. We love to celebrate starts and rightly so. We love to celebrate finishes. Final buzzer of a game, the graduation, crossing the finish line, re retirement. But we're not really good about celebrating the middle. 
We're not terribly good about celebrating the 53rd pitch of the fourth inning. We're not really good about celebrating your 232nd day on the job. It's just kind of things, things can get lost in the, in the middle. We use phrases like this, I'm stuck in the middle. Stuck in the middle of traffic, stuck in the middle of a conflict that you did not ask to be in. In the middle of transition, you sold your house, but you haven't closed on a new house. Anybody ever been there? You're in the, you're in the middle. Middle gets a bad rap. We love starts and finishes, but a lot of times we don't love the middle. I'm from the, uh, so I'm from the north, and my wife is a, a southerner. Where are, my, where are my Yankees at? That is at where my southerners at. That's it. Hey, 50-50, that's this area, right? I tell people, Camden and I, we are Lake Norman. We are Concord. It is Yankee transplants and, and, and Southerners. And, and there's this class, clash of cultures. We will still, even after 20 years of marriage, we will look across the dinner table at each other. And we'll say, babe, I have no idea what you said. <laughs> like, is that, did you say pin, P-I-N, or pen, P-E-N? There's these things. Any Western Pennsylvania people in the house? We have some weird yins. Like, we, not y'all, not you, Scott. Yins, what are yins doing? Red up the room. I know, I know. We said it means like you're not fully cleaning the room. You're just kind of cleaning it a little bit. You're going to red up the room. And so there's all these different, different phrases. But when I go back to Pennsylvania, what they're doing, and, and those of you that are, are from the Northeast will know this, all of the rails, uh, there used to be a lot of railways up there. And what they're doing is they're converting them to trails. It says rails to trails program. And so we'll take the, the kiddos, and this is a picture of our two and two of the older cousins, my bro brother boys when they were younger and this is a beautiful area so this is where I grew up I tell people like I grew up it's like part Tom Sawyer part Kid Rock it, it's it's kind of like beautiful Appalachian foothills and and, and creeks and and a, a meth lab and, and it's like it's like it's, it's just this it's a really strange culture, and like that's where I grew up. And so this is in the, the hills of the Appalachian foothills, and the Allegheny River there is there, and there'll be these trails, and it'll go through these old train tunnels. And what I know walking through these train tunnels, like I've been at the beginning, and I know how beautiful the beginning is. And I've been on the other side, and I know how, know how beautiful the other side is. But I'm, when, when we're walking through that tunnel, there's just the slightest bend. There's just the slightest little curve. How many of you know that in life, it only takes a little curve sometimes? And it can cause you to forget how excited you were in the beginning in a, in a moment. Like one, one step and all of a sudden, you forget everything that God told you. you because you were excited when you, that first day that you went back to school. You were excited that day that you launched the business. You were excited that day, the beginning. There's so much excitement in the, in the beginning. And, and you've got a vision of the end, right? You may not know completely, but God gave you this vision. This is where you're headed. You had all of these dreams, but somehow it only takes one curve in life. Come on, how many of you been in the middle? How many of you are in the middle? I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of some. I want you to know. I want you to know that God has a word for you in the middle. Some of what the best of God has for you is in the middle. All the middle children said. Amen. Where, where are the middle children at? I'm so, sorry. I can't see you out there. Oh, that's, oh, that's so bad. That's
from each tribe. And tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the everybody middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. And he told them, go into the middle of the Jordan. In front of the ark of the Lord your God. And each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder. 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? And then you can tell them they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So the men did as Joshua had commanded them. They took the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, just as the Lord told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed the memorial there. God is at work. I'm telling you, I speak to you. I prophesy this over you. The God of your beginning, the God of your end is the God of your middle. I see God working in your middle. So what can you do in the middle? What can you do in the middle? Let me give you these from the word of God this morning. Number one, grow even closer to key people in your life. Verse four, two million plus Israelites at this point Verse 4, Joshua called together the 12 he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. How many of you found in life, you know, when you're walking through the middle of something, sometimes you don't need to broadcast that on social media. You don't need, I don't need everybody in my life when I'm walking through some stuff. I need some people in my life that I can pull closer, that I can surround. I need the 12. I wonder if Joshua was thinking back to a lesson he learned years ago from Moses. See, when he was serving under Moses, Moses got caught off guard one morning. There was a tribe called the Amalekites, and the Amalekites attacked the Israelites. And Moses said, Joshua, I want you to go out and, and fight. I'm going to the mountain. I'm going to my place of prayer. And so Moses took his staff and he took two people, a million plus Israelites then, but he took two people. He took Aaron and her and he said, come on, we got to get to the mountain. We got to get to the prayer closet. How many of you have found in life, sometimes it doesn't make sense, but sometimes you got to spend, you should be in the meeting, but you got to get to the prayer closet. Before you face the battle the next day, you got to get up to the mountain. You got to say, hey, I'll get there. I'll get there, but I'm in the middle of something. I'm in the middle of my prayer time I got to get a word I got to get it not just on Sunday but I got to get a word in the middle of the week on Wednesday when I got hit with this financial report that I wasn't expecting to get hit with I was expecting to close the deal on Tuesday but it's not closed yet and I'm in the middle of something I got to get up to the mountain that's what Moses said I'm being attacked I don't know why I'm being attacked but I got to get up to the mountain and Moses said this, I may not be able to control the posture of what's going on in the valley. But Moses said, I'm not going to carry a posture of fear. I'm not going to carry a posture of worry. I'm not going to carry a posture of doubt. Moses took his staff and he lifted his hands and he said, I'm going to have a posture of praise. You may not be able to control what's happening to you, but you can control your posture. 
I said, you can control your posture. And so Moses lifted his staff up. And as long as he had his hands lifted, advantage Israelites. But when he got tired and weary, his hands dropped. And the Amalekites began to win the battle. Advantage Israel. Advantage Amalekites. Advantage Israel. Advantage Amalekites. I want to tell the men of God in the house, this is not the posture of victory. This is. This is, man. Sometimes we can feel like, oh, this is, this makes me feel vulnerable. Yeah, that's exactly the point. You're taking your pride and you're swallowing your pride. And you're saying by lifting your hands during worship, you're saying, God, it's not in my hands anymore. It's in your hands. I don't know how to parent through this situation. It's in your hands. God, I don't know what to do with this budget. It's in your hands. Whatever you're facing in the middle, I don't know what your middle looks like, but I know what a good posture in the middle. This is a great posture in the middle God I give you glory I give you praise I choose a posture of praise but it can get tiresome in the middle and its hands dropped and I love that Aaron and her came rushing over to him came rushing see Aaron and her in that moment in that moment Sam I'm glad that Aaron and her didn't say hey hey Sam I saw you in the gym the other day. You cheated a little bit on that last rep, and that's why your arms are tired. How many of you know in that, in that moment, Moses didn't need a lecture? It's not what he, in that moment, in that moment, he just needed some people to say, I got you. I got you. I don't care why you, I don't care why your arms are tired. I got you. I don't care why you're in this. In that, in that situation, they didn't need. I know your, your living room looks really good with the cute saying from Hobby Lobby on it. But in that moment, they didn't need that cute saying. They just needed to say, Sam, I got, I got you. I'm with, I'm with you. I don't care why. They didn't even need in that moment. I'm not saying later, church. In that moment, they didn't even need a Bible verse. They just needed the church to be there and say, I got you. I want to know. I want you to know today that you walked in into an Aaron church. You walked into a hurt. I don't care why you are in the position that you are in. I don't care how the enemy's attacking you, but this church, we got you. We got you. We got you. Come on, Lake Norman. Aren't you thankful for a church? We don't leave people with their arms down to their side. We don't leave people in their weakness. We don't leave people in a moment of attack. But we will always be a church that lifts up people's hands and say, we got you. Tell your neighbor, I got you. I got you. Number two. Number two, what do you do in the middle? I'm in the middle of something. Verse five. He told them, Get, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. So number two is grow closer to Jesus. The Ark of the Covenant represents the manifest presence of God. I know if you could wave a magic wand, you'd get to the other side. You'd get to on the other side of whatever it is you're in the middle of. But can I just throw out if the ark is still in the middle, if the presence of God is still in the middle, you don't want to get ahead of God. How many of you have tried to get ahead of God? How many have found out you, that's not such a good idea? I don't want to lag behind the Holy Spirit, but I don't want to get ahead of him either. I, I wish this were different 
but there are some things that the Holy Spirit can only reveal to you when you're in the middle of something. There are some things in your heart that will only be pulled out. There are some levels of your anointing. There are some things that you will only find out about God and yourself when you're in the middle of something. And when he calls you into that place of prayer, even if nobody else goes with you, you say, God, I'm not leaving the cross. Come on, I'm not, I'm not leaving. I'm not getting far from the cross. I'm so thankful that this church celebrates communion. I'm so thankful that this church preaches sin and preaches the cross in a culture that doesn't understand the cross. I'm so thankful for a church that still preaches the cross. Y'all remember growing up in elementary school playing monkey in the middle? Remember that? What was the goal of that game? Get out of the middle. You want to get out of the middle. What if the goal, what if the goal isn't to get out of the middle? What if the goal is to grow in the middle? What, what if you changed your prayer a little bit from God, get me out of this situation to God, how do you want me to grow in this situation? What are you teaching me? What are you showing me? How are you stretching me? I'm God want, you, somebody's in the middle of something. God wants to increase something in you. He doesn't want to just get you to the other side and drop the fruit in your lap because you don't have the capacity to handle that kind of fruit. He's stretching you. He's growing you right now, and you can only grow in the middle of something. And so he's teaching you how to increase your capacity so that when you get on the other side, you will be prepared to receive everything that he has for you on the other side. Number three. While you're in the middle, what do I do? I'm, Pastor, I'm in the middle of something. What do you do? You sow into what God has for you on the other side. Verse 8. So the men did as Joshua had commanded them. They took the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, one for each tribe, just as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed a memorial there. I, I know these are, quote, only rocks, but, but I want you to follow me. What they did is they took an offering out of their middle, and they carried it to the other side, and they, they planted those rocks. They sowed those rocks, not where they were, but towards where they were going. Sometimes when you're in the middle, you need to sow towards where you're going to go. Does, it, does this make sense? So, so this will make sense for, for Lake Norman. You're in the middle of something. You started in a theater. You're, you're buying a building. You are now, but you're in the middle of something. Where do you need, where do you need to sow? We need to sow to where God is taking you. I'm thankful that over the past six years of this church, God has used this church to reach hundreds, but I believe he wants to use this church to reach thousands. I believe you're just getting started. I see international churches springing up all over the place from Lake Norman. I see Lake Norman taking the lake and every bit of territory in this area that God has given you, but it's going to take people that are willing to sow to where you want to go you got to sow towards your future. The Bible teaches it like this. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. 
miracle offerings coming up, kingdom builders, this, all of this new building. See, it's about, it's about sowing toward the future. God, I want you have those 12 people in Livingstone this morning that raised their hands in an African church and said, I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. You have, you have seed in that. You're going to get to meet those people in heaven because you're sowing. You didn't, you didn't sow to where you are. You sowed toward your, toward your future. There's something, how I many of you understand? Let me explain it this way. There's something about putting a down payment on something. <laughs> if you put a down payment on a cruise, then you can face that freezing cold day in January. Because you know that there may be frost on the ground now. You know that my heated seats may not be working now, but that's not where I'm staying. I've, I've got stock. I've sowed towards the future. There's something about you're, you're living in that tiny apartment now, and you're living like nobody else. So later you can live like nobody else. But once you put that down payment on a house, you can deal with four people using the same toilet and the same sink because you're not staying there. You're sowing toward your future, and it's the same thing spiritually. You've got to sow towards your future. Number four, what do you do in the middle? Pastor, I'm in the middle of something. This is, this is a tough one here to understand. So the, the priests, well, let me say it this way. The leaders, the ones that took the stones, they're already on the other side. And then most of the people now are already on the other side. And the priests will... Well, let's find out where the priests are at, verse 10 and, and 11. Meanwhile, the people hurried across the riverbed, and when everyone was safely, everyone was safely on the other side, the priests carried over the ark of the Lord as the people watched. But in other words, where, where were the priests when everybody else was going, going across? They were still where? In, in the middle. They were still in the middle. Number four is this. What do you do in the middle? You get people to the other side. So, so the priests, the Jordan, the Jordan here's was the, here was the situation. The Jordan was at flood stage. This was, this was not the ideal time to move forward. Has God done that in your life? God, I'm happy to obey, but this is not the ideal time. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've ever told God that. God, if we could just wait until the, check, the checking account looks better. God, if we could just wait until the kids are a little bit older. God, but sometimes, sometimes God says to move even when circumstances aren't ideal because God is the God of those circumstances. Your circumstances don't determine when you move forward in your life. The voice of God determines when you move forward. And so you might be facing a situation and it looks like flood stage and everybody else is like, oh no, oh no, 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 no. Now's not the time to buy a house. You're not in charge. God's in charge of the economy. Why? Everything seems a little unstable. Why are we buying a building? Because God says, when God says to move, you move. Uh, the economy, Pastor, we don't know. I don't know. Why would I start the business? Why would, we, uh, why would we acquire new territory now? No, it's when God says to move. I know it's flood stage, but God's the God of flood stage. Amen? He's the God of the weather. He's the God of whether it's going to rain or not going to rain. And the God that knows the Jordan that is overflowing its banks knows how to 
to stop the Jordan upriver in your life. And so the priests, now watch this, the priests were the first ones in. Not, not when it was dry ground, when it was still flood stage. And the Bible said when the priests stepped in, when the waters are raging, then the Jordan was cut off. Sometimes it's step, then seek. Some of you are waiting to see before you take a step. And God said, that's a, sorry, that's not how faith works. <laughs> God, when, when I see the water cut off and when all of this is dry, then I'll step. God says, no, nah, you step and then I'll cut it off because he's building your faith. And so the priests stepped in. They were the ones, none of those other jokers back there, people at the end of the line, you weren't risking anything. Priest, priest is like, I should have paid attention in swim class at the Y. I'm not a very strong swimmer. And he's stepping in, a little bit nervous, a little bit anxious. But he's near the ark. He's got the ark. God, I'm going to stay near the cross. I'm going to stay near your presence. And if you're calling me forward, God, I don't understand it. I wish circumstances were different, but I'm going to step in the Jordan. And by faith, they stepped in the Jordan. And then by faith, they took another step. By faith, they took another step. And the walls of water piled high, and they're watching the leaders. Now the priests are in the middle, and they're just staying by the ark. And the leaders took the stones, and the leaders are already on the other side. And they're like, you coming back? No, you're not coming back? Okay, awesome. Okay, we're still, God, no, you still want me in the middle? And they're watching, they're watching how many people? All the people. Two million people. They want, the priests watched two million people step into their destiny when they were the ones that risked everything from the beginning and they're still stuck in the middle. Has anybody out there ever watched God bless somebody else and you're saying, God, have you forgotten about me? I'm still in the middle. God, I don't understand why this person got their promotion and I'm still in the middle. God, I don't understand why this couple is having a child and we're still struggling with infertility. God, I, under, I don't understand why you seem to be bringing a relationship to all of my friends and I'm still single and I'm still stuck in the middle. Why, would, why are you still in the middle? Why are you still in the middle? Can I throw this out? because it's not about you. It's about getting somebody else to the other side. What if your prayer was not, God, get me out of the middle, but God, who can I help get to the other side? God, as long as I'm in the middle of something, I'm in this hospital room. I don't want to be in this hospital room, but who can I minister to right here? God, I don't want this job. I want another job. But as long as I'm in this job, who can I get to the other side? God, I don't want to be in this situation with my family, but we're in this situation. And so there are going to be people who are brought into my life that I wouldn't have the chance to minister to any for any other reason except that I'm in the middle of something. And as long as I'm in the middle of something, I want to meet other people that need the love of Jesus and they're in the middle of something too and I'm going to be Aaron in their life and I'm going to be her in their life and I'm going to walk up to them and lift their hands up and say come on come on let's get to the other side together maybe there's Maybe there's somebody at Lake Norman. You're like, man, I haven't seen them for a while. Maybe this week is a good week to reach out to them and text them and say, hey, I don't know where you've been, but I've been thinking about you. I've been praying for you. Maybe there's somebody at school this week. 
See, it'd be nice to get to the other side and to reach back, but sometimes God has you in the middle for that reason. Let me give you this final, final thing. What do I do in the middle? I build, I build an altar right there in the middle. Verse 9, Joshua also... Joshua set up another pile. He set up another altar of 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's easy to praise God on the other side. God, when I get my healing, I'll build the altar. God, when I get my raise, I'll build the altar. God, when I get my promotion, I'll build the But Joshua built another altar. Where? right in the middle right in the middle that's another that's another level of praise when you say god i'm gonna praise you when i get to the other side so so maybe the 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 best time to praise god is when you get to the other side maybe it's not maybe the best time to praise god is right where you're at in the middle god i'm i'm not healed yet but i'm gonna build an altar right in the middle i'm not to the other side of my promise ship and i'm gonna build an altar right here right here right in the middle would you stand like norman all across the house today i'm in the i'm in the middle of something 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 this week when the devil comes and taps you on the shoulder and starts trying to talk to you and put all of those negative thoughts in your head you say not now devil not now i'm in the middle i'm in the middle of something when somebody tries to bring all that criticism and negativity and gossip your way you say not now i'm in the middle of something i'm in the middle of god's blessing i'm in the middle of his goodness i'm in the middle of his of his anointing i'm in the middle come on can somebody build an altar right now